Good morning. Uh, it's good to have the privilege to stand before you and read the word of the Lord. Uh, before I do, uh, like we do with our Discovery Bible studies, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer first so we can ask him for our wisdom to understand what we read today. Father God, we just thank you for the privilege of coming here to worship you, Lord. Lord, as we study your word today, grant us wisdom, Lord. Lord, give me a strong voice to, to read your word, Lord, and bring you the glory. We love you, Lord. Amen. Now, Pastor Tom's going to love this. I've teased him for years about reading glasses. Now, once I put these on, I can't see you guys out there, but I can see what I'm trying to read. We're reading from the book of John, first chapter, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify through him, to testify concerning the light, so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but the mission was to testify concerning the light. The true light shines on all people the true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light. But the world didn't recognize the light. The light came to his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children. Born not from blood, nor from human desires or passion, but born from God. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified about him, crying out, this is the one of whom I, whom I said, he who comes after me is greater than me because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. As the law was given through Moses, so grace and truth came into being through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. God, the only Son who is at the Father's side, has made God known. Amen. Thanks, Patrick. I would like a public apology from you for eight years of ridicule for me wearing glasses. <laughs> hey, so it's time to jump into this. I've been studying this passage since mid-November. I'm looking forward to starting this sermon series with you and getting ahead of it. And I'm telling you, my, my, my mind has just been, uh, it is just... In one side, just like spun around with all the, the stuff that I learned and then kind of exploded in other times. And then there has been this kind of anticipation and excitement to share 
this word with you and to walk through this series. And we're going to be walking through it for a long time. In fact, if you got one of these sermon teaching schedules, they're on the way out if you want to grab one. It's got the whole year. I mean, we, we're planned out for the whole year on what we'll do teaching-wise, but you'll see the progression through the book of John is in here. And so uh, you can grab one of those uh, on your way out. So a couple things I'm going to tell you that I promised during this series. One is this. I'm not going to dumb it down for you. You don't need it dumbed down. You're smart adults, um, teenagers in here, and you can understand God's word. Um, but that leads me to the second thing is I will help you understand it. I will draw out where there might be confusion and, and uh, clarity and understanding needs to happen. So those two things. The third thing, which I think is super important, I want to make it relevant to you. Answer the so what question. I don't want to take you on a journey here through all this that you might go, wow, that's very interesting. I didn't know that about that word or that time or that context. And then go like, but so what? <laughs> like, how would I apply this to my life? Because the word of God is not just a book. It is a living word spoken to us that we might apply it to our life and become something entirely different. And so that's, that's kind of my promise to you in this series that we'll look through that. Now, because of the first thing, I'm going to challenge you to be in God's word. So when somebody reads it, like I appreciate Patrick reading it uh, this morning, we'll put it on the screen. But as I'm going through it and we're talking about it, I'm going to be challenging you to have your Bible open or your phone to it and you tracking along. And so you're not going to see it on the screens during that uh, time. We've got Bibles. If you want to grab one or in the back corner or all of your phones will get you to either a Bible app or just type in BibleGateway.com would be one website and you've got unlimited number of versions you could even go to uh, of the Bible. If you're new with that and you're like versions, I don't even know where I would begin. Just find the one that says like NIV, that would be a good place to begin, or NLT. Um, I'll be preaching for one that's called the CEB, which is the Common English Bible. Just puts it in a way that we can kind of read and kind of somewhat how we talk normally. Sound good? All right, great. We're going to jump into this. Here's the first thing I want you to know about John chapter 1, verse 1. John is talking to different audiences, all right? So like today, I am talking to an audience that has a lot of different people. But let me tell you two people that for sure. There is somebody in here that you are newer to Christianity or you're newer to God's word. You don't know much about it at all. And we want to make sure this is relevant that you understand it, that you get to dive in, and you go, wow, that was very interesting. But also sitting in this audience today, there's somebody who's been looking at God's word for 35 or 40 years, right? And so for you, I want to make sure you don't have a, oh yeah, I've read that passage, I've, I've studied that before. Something new and fresh that would come out of this passage this morning. So I'm talking to two audiences. If you've ever talked to two audiences, you know during the prep time, you got to think about it, Right? And so I've tried to do that. John is doing that. He's talking to two audiences. The first audience he's talking to is what's known in the New Testament as the Jewish or the Jewish people. Now, it's the same people from the Old Testament that were the Hebrews, and then they were called the Israelites when, when God established his nation of, of Israel. Now they're called Jews. And, and the reason they are called this is it's really what the Roman Empire, their influence was. That's the title that they would now give. The Roman Empire did not recognize any nation of Israel when they took over. They were simply called the Jewish 
people. And so that's why it shows up in the New Testament that way, because the New Testament was written in Greek. So that influence is there. So he's speaking to these people who know the Old Testament really well. So if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, that, remember that 39 books we talked about last Sunday, the, the old book where it's got the law, it's got some history, some wisdom and poetry, it's got minor prophets, major prophets, we saw that. They would have known that really well. It would have been their history, what they grew up with, to varying degrees of knowledge, but they would have had some understanding of that pretty well. So everything about the law and all of that, they would live out. So, so John's going to try to connect with them, with this audience. But he's also speaking to non-Jewish people. In fact, you might know the term Gentiles because it shows up in a lot of the New Testament. The word Gentile simply means not Jewish, right? And so they would be called Gentiles. But John's going to use a different word. So I'm going to tell you that just so you understand. He most often uses the word Greek instead of saying Gentile. It's really the same thing. The reason he uses the term Greek is he's simply saying those who are not really influenced by the Old Testament law and are more influenced by Greek culture or the Roman Empire is really bringing in Greek culture, those people, they're not, they didn't grow up with this. They grew up with this. And he calls them Greeks. That's his two audiences he's speaking to. So, so what? All right, what are we looking at? Here's what you're going to find. With the Jewish audience, he needs to connect the Jewish audience to God, to Yahweh. He needs to connect them to that. If he has any hope of sharing Jesus Christ with them, he's got to connect them to the Yahweh that they know from the Old Testament, that almighty God. But to connect with the Greek, it's a little different. He needs to connect them with Greek thought, which wasn't the almighty God. In fact, they had lots of gods. In fact, any number of gods was fine. There was no problem there. But in Greek culture at the time, the oldest and the, was the best. So the oldest, the most long-living thought, philosophy, or God was the one you would gravitate to as the best. So if you can think in a culture where, you know, your elder folks are the ones you would draw to with wisdom, and you might sit on the porch and let them tell you stories and, and teach you, and they, there's just reverence in listening to that, that is kind of a little bit more Greek thought in here. The oldest and the best would be what they would draw to. We're, we're a little bit on the other side now in our culture, right? We draw to, well, what is the newest might be the best, or what is the, we might say, the most trendy thing. In fact, I learned in first service this morning um, that Crocs are back in stock, or style. Is that right, young folks, that Crocs are back? You're wearing those? Yeah, okay, thanks. Um, I just want you to know that about 15 years ago, I bought a pair of Crocs at Walmart, and I was wearing them around, and I was ridiculed by the young folks. Um, and uh, now I'm looking for public apology uh, for that, now that they're back uh, in style. They weren't the newest and freshest then, but they are now. So sometimes our culture, we, we do it exact opposite. This is who John's talking to, these two cultures. And he's trying to speak to them, these two audiences. And he wants to get to sharing Jesus. Now, you'll notice, because Patrick just read it, he didn't just start off by saying, hey, you guys, you know, um, let me tell you about Jesus. He knows that they'll actually probably turn, they'll kind of reject, they'll turn off, they'll be like, I'm not interested, right? This is the latest written gospel of the four gospels. So Jesus' name was out there. The, the audience probably would have heard stories, and they would have probably turned off. 
So John is basically wanting to step them in to telling them about Jesus. Listen, have you ever been to a timeshare presentation? Anybody ever been to one? I lived eight years in Arizona, and you can't not go to a timeshare presentation if you live in Arizona. Like, you want to give me what for 90 minutes? Absolutely, I'll listen to you for 90 minutes for that. You know, I can listen to you for two hours and say no to you. You know, as long as you give me that free golf, I'm in. So, yeah. so we went to a lot of timeshare presentations. Um, they do not start off in the first two minutes by saying, so glad you came in today. We want to sell you a timeshare. It'll be $18,000. What do you think? I, like, they... That's not how it starts. They're going to tell you every amazing thing about timeshares and how you connect with timeshares as well and how you can see your family in timeshares as well, right? Now, lest you think I'm just reducing the book of John to a sales pitch, think just in principle. That's really what John's doing is he said, I need to connect Jesus to my audience, but I can't just come out and say Jesus right away because there's already some negative thought of these people running around uh, calling themselves Christians. So he's going to be very clever in how he steps in. Here's what we're going to find. Both the Jewish people and the Gentiles, the Greeks, they're going to hit a point where they're challenged to really believe what John's saying. They're going to reach a point where they're like, yeah, sounds good, sounds good. Sounds oh, wait a second now, What? <laughs> I'm not sure I can believe that. They're both going to have this. In fact, it's no different than you and I today. Some of you have a story of becoming a Christian a long time ago, and it was like, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. But you hit some point in your Christian life where you got kind of challenged with your belief. And you at one point said, I'm not sure I can believe that. We'll see. That is what happens here. So here's the question I want to ask you, and I want you to put this in. So I won't keep coming back to the question all throughout. You ask the question of yourself throughout this as we walk through in the next 20 or so minutes. Here's the question. What is the point of challenge in your faith? In your Christian faith, what's the point of challenge? It doesn't matter whether it's brand new to you or if you've been a Christian a long time. The, the, the question still resonates. What is the point of challenge for you in your own Christian faith? So let's look at these two groups. Take a look quick. We're going to go John 1. Now, I know your outline says 111, and I'd love to, like, blame the whole administrative staff around here, but I printed all these, so it's on me. It was my fault. So, um, so John 1, 1 is actually what we're looking at, so you can just squiggle out one of those ones there. John 1, 1 says this. In the beginning was what? The Word. Yeah. In the beginning was the Word. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Does it draw your attention to another section of Scripture at all that you might remember? You ever flipped all the way to the beginning of the book, which is actually the book of Genesis, which means beginning, and it says this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, what? God created. John knows if he says in the beginning, he has captured his Jewish audience just like that, just like that. Listen, young folks today, I don't know your music. I'm clueless, right? But let's just say I took one of the popular songs that were out there, right? And I won't even begin to try to say what it is because I'll just look like a fool. But if I were to take the popular song and one of the key lyrics in the song, whatever it might be, and I started a sermon on a Sunday morning with that phrase, you would perk up. 
you might go like, I don't even think he knew that song. Or he may know that, but I don't think he knows what he's talking about. You know, whatever you would think, you would perk up. That is what John is doing here. He has made this connection already with his audience where they're like, oh, what now? In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, God created. Now, what did God create or how did God create would be the question we'd want to ask. Do you remember in chapter 1 of Genesis, how did God create? It doesn't say a lot about, well, he took his hands here and he picked this up and he did this here. What does it say? God spoke. God spoke and he created. Take a look at it. How did God create? God said or God spoke. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, verse 14, verse 20, verse 24. They all say the same thing. God spoke or God said and it was created. Something happened. What is the conclusion, if you're the Jewish audience and you're listening to what John is saying, what would be your conclusion here? Well, the first conclusion would be the voice of God speaks and it is. They know this. When he's making this connection with in the beginning, they know, oh, the voice of God speaks and it is. It happens when the voice of God speaks. If you had interest ever to go back and do a word study on your own, around the phrase voice of God or even God spoke in the Old Testament, you're going to see it multiple times it shows up. The voice of God was very important concept because when God speaks, life happens, something happens, something is created. We see it over and over. So what do you think the Jewish audience is going to think about this? Well, their response would be this. We believe. We believe that sounds great. We, you've got us. We're with you, right? In the beginning was the word. That's wonderful. We believe that. Now, in the beginning was the word. Uh, what does that mean? The word actually means, and some of you remember this, even from youth group days, when your youth pastor taught you this, that word means logos, right? Do you remember that, that word? Right? If not, it's new to you there. The word means logos. It's simply a communication term, a term for communication, speaking words, is what this means. In fact, there was an old word processor way back. I mean, I was in college. There was a word processor program for computers called Logos, right? And so makes sense. Word processing, Logos, that's all it means there. But to the Jewish audience, when they would hear this, they would think word of God. They wouldn't just think word. They would think word of God. And so the word of God, they knew it meant this. It was word of life. When the word of God or the voice of God spoke, something happened. Life happened. Something was created. Something new was started. Word of life. So like look back then, if you're the Jewish audience and you're hearing what's being said, look, look at your Bible. We'll start in verse 1 again. In the beginning was what? The word of life. And the word of life was with God. And the word of life was God. This would make sense to the audience. The word of life was with God in the beginning. Everything that came into being through the word of life, uh, through, came into being through the word of life, and without the word of life, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word of life was what? Life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not extinguish the light. So what would you conclude if you're listening, if you're the audience? You'd say the voice of God is life-giving. Amen? Do you believe that today? 
the voice of God. That's what they would have heard John writing here. The voice of God is life-giving. In fact, he says it offers light to your life. It will shine and illuminate your life if you're walking in darkness, is what he's saying. What's their response? We believe that. Sounds good. We're with you. This is great. But John's taking them on a journey. He then introduces this character called John the Baptist, not the same author of the book. In fact, many scholars believe that the book of John may not have been written solely by John himself, but by a kind of a conglomerate or two or three uh, disciples. But it got the word, John's name was what was put on it. We don't know for sure. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But John the Baptist now, it says, came to testify about the light. If you look at verses 9 through 13, you will see him testifying and sharing now about this light. We just learned that the life of God gives light, shines light. So these two are kind of synonymous on top of each other. What does testify mean? Do you know? It means to speak about. So when you testify, you speak about. If you love courtroom dramas, you watch them on TV, right? Or if you watch movies, I'm a big Law & Order fan, my favorite show of all time, which to me was the best commercial in the Super Bowl, right? The advertisement for the new Law & Order show, of course, right? Love that. You will know that when you get on a stand, you testify, you speak. Sometimes as Christians, what we have reduced testify to is I'm going to live out my Christian life really well and hopefully people see it. Super important. If you don't live it out well, people will see that. But we got to speak it too. You don't get on a witness stand and just sit there and just say, just see my life and believe something. You speak, right? That's what testifying, that's what John is doing. He is testifying and speaking about the coming life or the coming word, the coming light. That's what the writer of John is telling us. The light, the word, was in the world, he says, but the world didn't recognize the light. What's his conclusion there? The voice of God has been speaking, but it's not been heard. They were in and they didn't even recognize it. The voice is speaking, the word of God is speaking, and it's not being heard. Have you ever spoken and you don't feel like you're being heard? Parents, have you ever spoken to your kids and felt like you're not being heard? To give equal time. Kids, have you ever spoken to your parents and felt like you're not being heard? A little more aggressive head nods uh, of the kids, so parents take note, right? Have you ever spoken to your spouse and felt like you're not being heard, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that is what the conclusion is here, that the, the voice of God is speaking and people aren't hearing it. Can I tell you today, that God is speaking. God has never gone silent. He's never not speaking. The question is, where's our ears at? Are our ears open? Are we hearing it? So that's the conclusion. Now, this would have hit the Jewish audience a little different. Their response, um, we're a little confused. We're, I mean, we were with you. We're a little confused now. Now you say the, the, the word of, is speaking and the people didn't recognize it. They might say, are you still talking about us? <laughs> or, or have you switched audience? Are you still talking? You're not talking about me, are you, when you say this here? That, that would be kind of their response. A little confusion now on this. John doesn't let up. He goes further with this. Once we get down uh, in verse 14, we see he says this. The word became what? Flesh 
and made his home with us. Now, what we do sometimes is we know that verse, right? We're Christians. We know it. We've read this passage. So the moment we go to John 1, 1, the very first verse, and we say, oh, in the beginning was the word. Oh, that's Jesus. He's talking about Jesus there. You're right, but you're getting ahead of things, right? Let's do the Bible study work that we just did to get to this point where John is leading them on a journey, and now he's telling his audience, oh, yeah, by the way, the word became flesh. They know what that means. Like, like flood, like a human being, right? That's what they're saying. It doesn't mean anything other. The word became a human and made his living among us. Lived, like one of us, one of the people that you know, one of the people that lives in our Jewish culture, that is what he's saying, is the word of God become flesh. Now that is a little harder for them to grasp and to believe. In fact, here's the conclusion. John's saying, the voice of God came in the form of a person. What's their response this time? I'm not sure I can believe that. That's taking it a little far. They had no concept that God, the almighty God, Yahweh, would come into a human form and look like one of them. And that is what John is declaring. That's the writer of John is declaring. This is exactly what had happened. And so now they're like, I'm not sure we can believe why is that significant? This is the point of challenge in the belief of the Jewish people. This is the point where they're like, whew, I, mean, I was with you, and I was like, you know, I believe, I believe, I believe. I got a little confused there, and now I'm like, I don't know if I can believe that. This is the progression for the Jewish people that we find. Now, when we journey through the rest of 1 through chapter 12, you're going to see how often the, the passage says, they believed, and many believed, and this and that. And then the next chapter, or a couple chapters later, it'll say they didn't believe. And we'll be like, what is going on here? I thought they already believed. You're going to see there is this progression. The same is true for us. There are these things that God speaks to our heart about, and we say, I'm with you. I believe that. I'm so glad you told me that, God. And then we progress a little bit in our Christian life, and God speaks to us and teaches us something new, and we go like, I don't know about that one, God. I don't know if I'm ready to grab on and go with that one. This is the point of challenge in their belief. Now, I told you there was another audience. Let's hit this audience uh, quick. John testifies again. This is chapter, uh, verse 13, excuse me. It says this. this is a weird uh, verse. He comes after me. Uh, the, he who comes after me is greater than me because he existed before me. Say what? You know, does that make sense to you? You've probably read this passage before and liked a bunch of stuff, but, you know, you just move on from that verse because... That's a weird one, right? Well, if you're thinking about it from a Greek thought, it's not really weird at all. Because the most important thing is what is the oldest? What is the oldest thing? Like if I were to look in here and say, who is the oldest person in here? Do you mind standing up? No, you don't have to do that. So like I would say your voice is the most important in here. Now you could be like, I mean, you can have no life experience. You can have nothing to actually share, but it doesn't matter. My thinking would be if you're the oldest, you are the one we want to hear from. On the other side, if I would say, who's the youngest in here? And uh, I would say, your voice has no value here. We don't want to hear from you. Right? That's the way they thought. So when John now says, listen, I, I want to make sure you understand who I'm talking about. The person who comes after me, so this person I'm talking about that's coming, right? We know he's going to call it Jesus in a minute. This person who is coming that I'm testifying to, right? 
he's actually greater than me. So anything you've seen that, you, that me do and you've thought, wow, that's impressive, John the Baptist. He's much greater. But then it gets weird. Uh, the greater than me because he existed before me. Well, wait a second now. He's saying he existed before I existed. If you draw back to what he's saying there, they could connect this word in the beginning type of thing. So now John is appealing to that Greek audience to say, he's greater than me because he's, he's older, he's longer, he's been around longer than I have been. He has a greater story to tell because of that. That is helping draw in this Greek audience as well. Here's a Greek thought, older is better, right? Here's your little checklist, just so you understand. He says, in the beginning, check. That's what we want, right? We want to go in the beginning. That's old, but that, that makes va that's value. Existed before, that's a check too, you know, in, in Greek thinking. Law and Moses. Now, it's not like Greek thinkers knew a lot about the Old Testament, but they knew like the main points. They knew the big thing. Like you may not be into some sport, but I bet you probably know the top two or three names in that sport right? And that's kind of how it is here. They don't really know the law well. They don't know how it works day in and day out, but they understand the big names. So when they say law and Moses, they're like, oh yeah, that was a long time ago, you know, check. But then he says in Jesus, and that challenges them. They haven't even met Jesus yet. John's saying Jesus is still to come, right? Jesus is out there. Of course he's alive, but Jesus is out there. They haven't met him yet. This is the point of challenge for the Greek people, looks totally different than the point of challenge for the Jewish people, but it's a point of challenge. I believe I believe. I'm not sure I can believe. This is really significant because it mirrors us today too. It's the same thing. In fact, some of you, you became a Christian when you were in high school. You went to camp and you went to the altar one night and you said yes to Jesus Christ and you became a Christian. You might have grown a little bit, but somewhere along the way, there was a challenge to your belief, and you kind of stopped. For some of us, the challenge is complacency. We just get out of the habit, right, of going to God. For some of us, God challenged us directly. He said, listen, here's what I want you to do. And we said, no, I'm not going to do that, right? Whatever it is, there, there can be this point where it stops. You see, we sometimes think, as long as I said yes to Jesus at some time, and I have this belief system, like Jesus is the only way, he died on the cross for my sins, and if I believe in him, I'm going to heaven, and we stop there, we are missing everything else God wants us to follow, everything else God wants to do in our life, everything else that, listen to this, is even greater than that simple belief system. We forfeit it. And that's what we're seeing. These audiences are hitting a point of challenge in their belief. So I ask you again this question, what's your point of challenge in your own Christian faith? If you look back, what was that time? Was there a moment? Can you identify it? Does yours look less like this and there was a point of challenge and it looks more like this kind of thing here where you kind of track, you untrack, you track? What's causing that pattern in your belief? Here's a key idea in John as we're close up here. This is really important because we see it over and over and over and over. When believe, that word, is present in John, it refers to what just was said or just happened. Why is that important? Because you're going to see at times where it says they believed, and then you're going to see after that they didn't believe. What does that mean? Well, John is always referring to they believed what just 
happened, what just occurred, what was just said. And I think that that's more how we need to look at our Christian faith. Are we believing in and following the most recent thing God has spoken to us about? The thing that even adds on to what we might have believed before when we were maybe a teenager, whenever we came to know the Lord. What's the last thing that God spoke to us about? If the last thing God spoke is said, listen, you need to be more compassionate. Let me develop within you the kindness of heart to lift people up and love people. And you said no to that. Then we would say you didn't believe John would describe it that way. But if you said, yes, Lord, I need to do that, and I can do it in you better than I can do it any other way, John would write, and you believed. That is what we find in the book of John over and over and over. You're going to see constantly parallels in the things that people believe and in things that God it might be challenging your heart and my heart to believe as well. And some of them are really hard you don't believe me, skip ahead, read chapter 6 on your own and come away and think, oh, that's a hard thing to grasp. Here's a takeaway. Return to the question, what is or has been the point of challenge in belief for you? Would be the most important thing to identify as we go forward in the book of John. And then here's the second thing. Jesus is the voice of God. The reminder for you that this voice of God that speaks is Jesus. Like, it means this, that when the voice of God speaks, we look and we go like, oh, Jesus is like incarnate. He is God in that human form. So look at it the reverse way. When Jesus speaks, when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read and you see anything Jesus talks about, anything he says, word of encouragement, a promise that's offered, a challenge that's put before you, that is the voice of God speaking to you. So if I look in here and I read about Jesus and he challenges my heart and I say, no, I don't think I'll do that. I'm rejecting the voice of God is what I'm doing. Now, these aren't my words. Look, take a look at the last verse and we'll close on this. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God. God, the only son who is at the father's side. Get this has made God known. How do we know God? How do we hear the voice of God? John is telling us in Jesus, in Jesus. So it make pretty good sense for us to keep studying and looking in Jesus. So next week, we're going to start at verse 19. Now, uh, some of you just in your head when I said that said, oh, good, I don't have to look at this. He'll pick it up next week, right? Huh? Lazy way out. So my challenge for you is not to pick it up next week. My challenge for you is to go back and look at things. In fact, somebody in here is probably going like this. He didn't even deal with the Trinity in here. This is one of our key passages about understanding the Trinity. Jesus was God, right? He didn't even do that, right? You're right. I don't have time to walk through that, you know, as well as other things. So do the work this week. Go back in this passage. Google a couple things. In fact, tomorrow when you get the Monday Minute, I'll actually have a couple links of places you can go to study this passage. Same way I study it, right? You can go and look at these resources, and you'll see there's a four-hour sermon worth of stuff that you can look at here, and you could go preach it. So it'd be awesome, right? 
I want to encourage you then finally to say Jesus is the voice of God. Not each Sunday morning when we show up, every morning when you wake up. Maybe it would start your day to remind yourself Jesus is the voice of God. That's my voice to follow today. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you speak to us. Lord, I know that, that there's someone in here today, even if it's one, they know clearly what has challenged their belief and what has slowed up their belief. And Father, I pray that you would meet them. And first of all, within that, you would let them know they are still loved and cared for by you. And that you have this great desire to say, take my hand and now let me walk you forward and show you what belief has to offer. And then would you speak your voice once again into their life and into their heart. We pray it in your son's name. Amen.